0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey. Jack Daniels is the oldest, mellowest, whiskiest whiskey, and every drop is made in Lynchburg, Tennessee. Jack Daniels, turning nights into stories since 1866. Please drink responsibly. I'm Bob Boylan, and on today's All Songs Considered, we have a guest DJ with Lord Huron comes on the heels of their new album, *Bid Noir, which comes out April 20th. I've been intrigued by the cinematic songs of Lord Huron for over the past half dozen years. And what began as a solo project by Ben Schneider back in 2010 is now a band selling out large music venues. What captured my imagination were the videos Ben would make for his early songs. They were filmed as old Western tales for the album Lonesome Dreams in 2012 and then Strange Trails in 2015. Fid Noir is inspired by the imagery Ben Schneider would encounter during late-night drives around L.A. On this guest DJ edition, Ben Schneider selects music that clearly shows his interest in storytelling and film. From Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska to Link Ray's guitar song Rumble, the tone of the tunes he loved growing up are an insight into the music he and his band make. We start the conversation with a tune called Ancient Names, and I wondered how this song took shape, how he took the ideas in his
1: head and presented it to his band. I mean, I generally write alone, so I come to the band with a, you know, a demo version of the record mm-hmm. at some point, or pieces of the record, and you know, it's still a work in progress, like, uh, in terms of how we work. It changes every record, and we're kind of all sinking into it, and we're figuring out the best ways to do it. In this one, I had this fleshed out, this idea of this song that kinda takes you through a few different dimensions on its journey. You know, it starts one place and then pretty quickly it, you're kinda slingshot into another place and mm-hmm. another after that. Um, so I just came to them with that and said here's here's sort of my rough version. What What ideas do you guys have to add? And you know, the biggest thing that they always add is just musicianship which I don't necessarily have, <laughs> certainly, <laughs> not all the, certainly not on all the instruments, and uh, they're all really talented. So we've known each other for a very long time and we can be really honest with each other creatively. We just kind of sit down and work through it. Are you trying to paint,
0: uh, paint a picture for them or, or are you playing on a tape or are you holding a guitar in your hand?
1: I generally play on a tape, uh, something I've recorded. That little
0: Mellotron at the top, was that something that was on your tape? Is that something someone added?
1: Uh, that was something that was on my tape. I kind of wanted to take you through these different places, and that was the first place, which I kind of imagine as the entryway to a a fortune teller's parlor uh-huh. um, <laughs> some uh you know gauzy drapes and twinkling lights uh and a neon sign
0: that's beautiful and and then where did we go from uh from there? If I pull up this
1: yeah so this I always imagine is. Maybe, maybe right next to that fortune teller's parlor, or maybe in another part of town. Um, there's this this band who—it's the end of the night—and mm-hmm. they're trying something new. Uh, they're opening up some new, some new kinds of music, and maybe, maybe tapping into something else, dark and interdimensional at the same time. What's it?
0: Do you kind of feel that this sound for you guys were, was different
1: at all? In some respects, yeah. We have this thing where we really just try to be conscious of just following what we're interested in, and in uh, that way, it feels like it feels as natural as stuff we've done before, where it just felt like the, the kind of stuff we wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, we definitely realized that. Hopefully, we're doing something new, and you know, keeping people interested in what we're doing.
0: And always uh, the way, at least for me, besides the music, the way you keep me interested is in the stories that you tell. Mm -hmm. And that uh, goes to a long way into what we'll do today in this guest DJ, is just try to look at things in music that has interested you, the atmospherically, storytelling, picture painting kind of stuff. And you grew up in a house, both your parents are, are journalists, so
1: how did that tweak or pique your interests? You no, know, it was interesting. They they both had a real interest in music, and I think maybe being journalists, they had friends who were able to get them into concerts and things, and uh, you know, we had pictures of Springsteen on the wall that my dad's photojournalist friend had taken at a show in Detroit, and... Oh, wow. You know, they were, they were big fans. My mom particularly was a huge fan of Springsteen. At and, what uh, age were you seeing these
0: photographs of Springsteen? Like six or seven, or...? Yeah, or? I
1: mean, as early as I can wow. remember. Oh, wow those photos were up and and the records were playing in the house too you know that's some of the early stuff i remember hearing bob dylan and bruce springsteen you know nebraska was always the the one that i remember sort of thinking about first just because i knew something i felt like something kind of spooky was going on with that record Mm -hmm. and it really interested me even from a from a really young age we talked about that record a lot too at at the house because the title track is uh based on a, a killing spree to teenagers in the 50s. And the, the, the young woman, who was 14 at the time, once she got out of prison, she settled in my hometown. Oh, wow. So yeah. we're
0: talking about uh, the album Nebraska, we're talking about the song Nebraska, and then uh, other songs referenced that. The, uh, was it State Trooper that did?
1: Yeah, so this this woman, Caroline Fugit, she lived 20 minutes from my, my house growing up. And my dad, who was just a fan of the album and, you know, interested in the, the story behind it he was always trying to land an interview with this woman but she wouldn't talk to anybody understandably so so you know he never was able to sit down with her she died a few years back but i just remember my whole life that would come up at some point you know i'm trying to get you know i think he got her i think he got her on the phone once but um yeah he just never could quite make that happen
0: if i played state trooper would that bring back some memories (laughs) yeah
1: definitely would
0: (laughs) all right let's do a little bit of that
2: New Jersey turned back Riding on a wet night, Neath the refineries glow Out where the great black river rivers flow License registration I ain't got none But I gotta Stay
1: Still listen to Springsteen? I do, yeah. Especially that record. That's one that's just kind of stuck with me. Um, I think another reason is that when I found out how it was recorded, uh, it made it made recording seem very much within my reach. And I, uh, you know, I remember getting a, a similar tape machine to use to record that, and that was my first recording rig. We're talking about uh, a Tascam.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. It's a port. They call them Porta Studios. They're usually four-track cassette machines and here's a here's a guy sold kind of a gazillion records and was doing what you were discussing earlier which is making demos Mm -hmm. probably for his band but in this case he decided the demos was the right way to go and released this album nebraska just him and guitar a bunch of little instruments too harmonica glockenspiel maybe uh, a few other things
1: but how old were you when you heard this hard to say when the first time was i remember i remember starting to get interested in it you know around 10 or 11 Mm -hmm. was when i sort of started thinking about it a little bit and remember my dad talking about it were you
0: picking up an instrument yet
1: yeah my dad had a guitar around and uh i played that i was left-handed or i am left-handed yeah still haven't lost that (laughs) (laughs) but uh the guitar was right-handed so i've I've learned to play guitar as a right-handed person but i think i would be better if i had learned the other way so i always kind of wondered about that but around the same time, I started playing uh, bass in the orchestra as well. Mm-hmm. So that was my first formal instrument, was taking lessons on the upright bass. And there was a lot of,
0: in well, in that song in particular, there, there's guitar as both bass and rhythm mm-hmm. and the underpinnings. Mm-hmm. But, but then there's the storytelling. Did you ever talk to your folks about what's going on in that record since they played that around the house? Yeah,
1: especially in that, that title track, Nebraska. Uh, you know, the lyrics are somewhat simple to follow. So I think from for a young person, you know, I could pick out a lot of what was happening in there, you know, talking about getting strapped into the electric chair and things like mm. that. It's pretty easy to understand what's happening. But again, I remember bringing that up specifically with my, my dad and hearing sort of the backstory of what that was about and just finding it fascinating. You know, I got into that story and found out that it, you know, not only Bruce Springsteen, but it had inspired a lot of other artwork, movies and other music and All kinds of stuff. It's kind of dark, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess, you know, 11-year-old boys are attracted to dark things sometimes. And so where did it take you? Movie watching? Yeah, uh, well, I guess the the easiest through line from there is uh, Badlands, which is... An earlier, 1973, I think, movie, Terrence Malick movie, which is pretty closely based on that Killing Spree story. It's different names and put it in a different state, but it's kind of trying to tell that story.
0: And this Killing Spree story is, is, uh, is this, We I don't know that we clarified that at the top there, but it's...
1: Uh... Uh, it is Charles Starkweather, who was 18 at the time, and Carol Ann Fugate, who was 14, I think. And they it was in, I think, 57 and 58, the winner over those two years and they killed 11 people they were teenagers yeah they were teenagers i mean it's a really wild story you know young crazy love and you know that's been the basis for you know not only badlands but natural born killers um true romance all these other movies you know because it's a really interesting story
0: it's funny how uh like for me i i can't watch any of that stuff in fact i don't really? even watch movies at anymore, all at all anymore yeah wow so i just stopped because i can't deal with the violence uh, uh, yeah. And then other people are completely fascinated. and I understand the fascination, but I I find it uh, it repels me and run, makes me run the other that. way. I can understand that. Um, so w- one thing about about seeing movies for sure is you begin to hear music you've never heard before, and and music and picture are some of the most powerful things, as <laughs> you certainly know. Do you remember the first films you started to see and and movie and interaction, film music, and and the way they work together in storytelling?
1: I think I was pretty struck by that from you know the earliest earliest things I saw, you know even cartoons and stuff. Just the way music could punctuate a a moment, you know, in a in a Bugs Bunny cartoon or something. But you know I remember seeing uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, <laughs> yes. and uh, that Danny Elfman score is pretty memorable. It, it absolutely was, and it's got a lot of vibe. Uh, the, uh, the movie obviously does too. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, you just... It's amazing what how music can color a story. And it kind of works the other way too, which is interesting. Sometimes a, a movie can color the way you think of a song that you maybe knew before or maybe you never knew it before, but you always think of it a certain way because it's from a movie.
0: Can you think about some uh, movie music that uh, you want
1: to bring to the table here? Pulp Fiction for me was the first... you know, It sounds like I'm obsessed with violence now mm-hmm, that I'm thinking about this. Yeah. But, and I think... <laughs> You know, you I want to sit back, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I could probably use some help with that. I mean, I'm certainly not a violent person. I think what right. it is is just seeing people in those extreme circumstances has always been fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, that movie I saw really young. My, I had an older brother, he's kind of been my, my source for music and, and everything cultural since I was young, aside from my parents. What's, uh,
0: what's the age difference between you and your brother?
1: He's three and a half years older.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. So you you can, at 11 or something, be going to stuff you probably shouldn't be going to. Absolutely.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> and somehow he got a hold of a bootleg VHS copy of Pulp Fiction. Uh-huh. I think it was still in theaters, which I don't know how he <laughs> got a hold of that. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, the, for one thing, the, the content of the movie was pretty shocking to me, but the music... I don't think there's any score commissioned for that movie at all, so it's all just songs. A lot of it I, I didn't know. So it felt to me like that music just existed only in the, that world of that movie. Its whole purpose was just to help tell this story, and I was just blown away. I remember ta- tape recording it from the VHS, you know, because I, I wanted the music so bad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's music I still listen to, some of that stuff. It got me into so many different genres. And w- Was this in uh, that movie? Yes, it was. Want to introduce this tune and we'll play a little? Yeah, sure. This is uh, Link Ray's Rumble.
0: is 60 years old what, six a tune. Zero.
1: <laughs> what a tune man i mean you can't really top that the swagger and that oh, yeah here, wait
0: God. i know Whew, chills did you ever get to see him perform this live? no oh, geez yeah. that sounds like an amazing thing it is um, uh so here comes i i don't know we're in Pulp Fiction and how this plays out in Pulp, F-
1: Pulp Fiction, this song. But uh, do you, do you, can you describe a scene? There's a scene where John Travolta has just <laughs> sounds so seedy. He's just uh, shot heroin and he's just cruising around in his car. When I first saw it, I understood what he had done, yeah. what that there was right. drugs involved. But I just remember seeing him behind the wheel of this cool old car, cruising with the in L.A. with the the wind in his hair uh, at night. You know, and I was just what a vibe. And, and that's a great example of a song that doesn't have any lyrics, but it seems to tell a story to me. Like, even aside from the movie, like, the name Rumble and just this swagger and this these sounds that are coming out of this guitar. I mean, that's a story. Yeah, there was always something impending. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: this predates... Synthesizers, or at least synthesizers, um, in pop music, by a, a long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, such cool texture, yeah, that's so tremolo. Th- it's beautiful. Uh, how about if I play this and you tell me a story? Does it sound familiar, or am I playing something you don't
1: know? <laughs> no, it sounds familiar. <laughs> would be the, uh, the True Romance soundtrack, um, which is based on the Badlands soundtrack, which is a piece of this beautiful old marimba piece um, written in the 20s, I think, by this guy Carl Orff. And it was actually written as like an educational tune for school school children. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, you know, to practice intervals or something.
0: Oh my Super God, simple music,
1: but um, just, you know, I don't know if it was Terrence Malick who came up with the idea of using it in that movie, but it's so perfectly placed because it's this amazing tune, amazing piece of music, but it's so child, you know, it's so childlike. And I think that spoke really well to these young these young people in this movie doing these terrible things. And just, uh, that could, that's some pretty heavy subject matter, but it's so well balanced by this beautiful and sort of innocent sounding piece of music. Yeah, that this is where, uh, the tendency to uh,
0: lots and lots and lots of movie music is is uh if i used to do work in video and stuff and and uh and i had this fellow who was i think he was czechoslovakian and, and we were working on a documentary together i was the editor and so forth and he he said to me uh americans See screw, say screw. In other words, if you're going to make a film or something <laughs> yeah. and you say the word screw, well, then you're going to show a screw right. Right, on, right. On, the, on the screen. <laughs> and, and that's the literal thing that we often do with music, which is that if it's, if there's this horrifying scene, uh, well, then you're going to play this music that has this horrifying tension in it and so forth. But one of the beauties, and it sounds like you're describing this and how this music is moved, is used, is is the contrast Mm -hmm. like when you have contrast like wow what that does it's amazing yeah yeah. Uh, your brain just is wanting to do try to put these things together and i think in the working and trying to make all that work internally uh makes it more memorable Mm -hmm. that's a very cool piece of music this is uh there was something uh this is the um i guess uh, Gaussenhauer or street song i think
1: this was Yes, this is the so this is the original version from Badlands. Which is even simpler yeah. and to my ear even more even more beautiful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I like this music so much. Um that I had a I had the band at my wedding play this. <laughs>
0: is that right? <laughs> yeah. On what instrumentation?
1: Uh, on the marimba. Marimba and snare drum, just like, it's, just like it is here. <laughs> it was great. We found some, some youngsters from Lansing who, who came up and, and played it. It was, it was excellent.
0: So you've described three different, very different scenes that this music <laughs> worked well in uh-huh. huh. it's pretty versatile isn't it yeah i think anybody who works in music i used to write music for uh experimental theater and stuff and and uh, and it was my first experience writing music and then all of a sudden it was part of a theatrical mm-hmm. scene with you know hundreds of slides dissolving and so forth in a black box theater and and what did did to the music I wrote was it just blew me away. In fact, mm-hmm. I was just the other day describing to Rob and Hilton about the first time I ever put on Walkman headphones on headphones. So you're not home sitting in a living room listening to music in really good quality, but all of a sudden you're out of doors. And I was driving on the New Jersey Turnpike when somebody put Philip Glass on my ears uh, headphones on my head while I'm driving
1: looking at uh, New York City. And how
0: everything just changes. Mm.
2: Yeah.
1: I love purposely planning moments in my life that I know are going to be uh, somehow unique or somehow memorable. Like where I'm going to be in a new place for a a period of time. And specifically bringing a new record to listen to then. Something I I haven't ever spent time with. Because it'll so forever be tied to that Mm. moment in time. And I love that feeling where it's just like, this is the soundtrack. This is the soundtrack of this story. This chunk of my life well i want to
0: do that with this song here which is um wait by the river Got such a vibe. I just love that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and in this case, it's a uh, there's a very early '60s uh, mm-hmm. vibe to it, not too f- distant from Link Ray in many ways. Is there a story you're trying to uh, unfold and tell that ties it all together? Obviously, each song has story to it.
1: The way I kind of conceived it was a, sort of a nocturnal journey through through the city, where you you kind of encounter these different different stories along the way. And part of the way I kind of thought about it was you wander into these different clubs that have different styles of music or different types of people inhabiting them. So there's sort of a through line in terms of the story. Like I think the way it begins and ends are kind of the the two ends of that person's journey. But along the way, we kind of take all these twists and turns and wander through portals to other other places and stuff
0: when you say the way it begins and ends yeah
1: um you know the two stories that kind of book and the record the way it begins and the way it ends i think tied together pretty clearly in terms of the uh the lyrics you know you kind of start with this person who's on a journey looking for something mm-hmm. and you end with uh well i don't want to spoil the ending but <laughs> whether they find it or not uh and the the complications of that outcome that's awesome do you
0: remember listening to albums that felt like it had that kind of through line
1: yeah, I mean, a lot of Bob Dylan's stuff, you know, I, m- I remember taking those drives to my bass lessons uh, before I could drive myself. I think the only tape my dad had was Blood on the Tracks. And, you know, I was in a punk band and stuff at the time, so I don't know what my feelings were on it, but I definitely was drawn to the just the stories. Like, it was hard not to get sucked into those. I was just amazed how much he could convey in a five-minute song, with which might not even have a chorus. <laughs> the imagery just, I remember, trying to get struggling through my bass lessons and just having those images stuck in my head you know from tangled up in blue or at some point we switched to desire and uh just listening to isis that song oh is, yeah a I song mean, without a, speaking no choruses yeah right? yeah song of and plenty, I, of yeah. <laughs> plenty, of, yeah. plenty of verses plenty of plenty of verses um but just what a strange bit of imagery and you know you've got a love story in there you've got this other story about treasure hunting um, it's just incredible I
2: married Isis on the fifth day I made but I could not Darkness and light. The dividing line ran through the center of town. I hitched up my pony to a post on the right. Went to the laundry, I washed my clothes down. A man in the corner approached me for a match. I knew right easy
0: to catch said I got no money' said that ain't necessary there's a later a treasure a tomb nothing yeah. in
1: the t- I mean the pyramids off. covered in ice <laughs> exactly right. uh, I mean it's just so cool where it goes and it feels natural and that tambourine is so damn loud I love it <laughs> I think most people would say it's too loud, but I think I heard, I don't know if it's apocryphal, but I think I heard Bob Dylan say, if nothing's wrong, it can't be right. <laughs> Which I think is a good, pretty good lesson to
0: us all. Yeah. And no one else made the tambourine more famous than <laughs> the tambourine man himself, That's true, right? the tambourine man himself. <laughs> uh, let's talk something more contemporary, or at least um, maybe something that uh
1: you were a little older and and mm-hmm. heard lots of atmosphere in or it's... yeah well i i was lucky i mean i, I definitely bought records on my own but when i was young but not that often because my brother had this amazing thing we probably all remember called columbia house oh yeah I... which was like a subscription <laughs> yeah. cd service right. i think it was a scam but i didn't care cuz my brother had so many cds he just got everything and you know, maybe around 94, he got started getting really into Wu-Tang Clan. That was kind of their golden age, 93 to 97. When, you know, not only the, the group albums, but all the solo albums too, which were, to me, groundbreaking. Just because I didn't know what this world was that they were apparently living in. It was hip-hop, it was kung-fu, it mm-hmm. was drugs, it was violence. I don't know what it was, but it was impressive to me. And just the vibe on those records was was undeniable
0: and the sound it wasn't it's not bass guitar and
1: drums it's like percussion could be gunshots or it could or be just clanging swords clang, or yeah, kicks right, yeah right. and you know they sampled all these old kung fu movies and mm-hmm. i remember first putting on uh the jizz's liquid swords and like that opening of some i don't know what it's from but some sample really sets the mood and then this heavy beat comes in and it's like what is this world it's so cool i have something else queued up let's see if this works very cool, yeah.
2: Watch step I smoke on the bike like smoking Joe Fraser, the hell raiser, raisin hell with the flavor, out the jam like troops in Pakistan, swing through your town like your neighborhood Spider-Man. So all uh, tick tock and keep ticking When I get you flipping off the sits sh- I'm kicking the low. Co-wet, danger, deep in the dark with the art with the charts apart, the vandal. Too hot to handle your battle. you saying goodbye I like Devin Campbell. Ruckneck, Inspector Dex on the set. The rebel, I make more noise than heavy metal. The way I make the crowd go wild. Sit back, relax, won't smile. Ray got it going on, pal. Call me the rap assassinator. Rhymes rugged and built like Schwarzenegger. And I'ma get mad deep like a threat. Blow up your project, then take all your assets. Cause I came to shake the frame in half with the thoughts that bomb. Shit like math. So if you wanna try to. I flip, float flip on the next man Cause I'll grab the clip and you with 16 shots and more I got Going to war with the melt my heart It's the method man for short, Mr. Map. Move it on your left uh, And set it off, get it off, let it off like a gat I wanna break food, cop me back Small change, they putting shame in the game I take game and blow the nigga out the frame And like, bang, my fellow will live forever
0: so there's a different connection here between uh movies and music right because they're
1: yeah <laughs> yeah they're, they're the opposite kind of, right yeah it's kind of the opposite where they're letting that color their music and and yeah there's it wasn't like i could quite identify any real specific story and it. it was this more fragmentary thing i guess world building is what you'd call it where these bits and pieces and fragments of this world and my imagination was able to kind of fill in the rest and i think that was Sort of an important lesson, too. Just seeing that you don't need to show everything. You can show bits and pieces and in some ways mm-hmm. create something even more uh, rich that way. Uh, it's just fascinating. I mean, like I said, I just couldn't get my hand, get a handle on what this world was, and I, I was really drawn to that. I guess maybe a song like, like vide Noir. I guess just coming out of Wu-Tang, I, th- I think I was thinking of them a lot when I was writing that song.
0: And vide Noir, the album title means? Album. Uh, Black Void. And what does that conjure to you? Is it just the possibilities?
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It can conjure everything because it is nothing. Uh, um, It's like I was talking about before how I imagine this album to be this sort of journey through the city. Uh That's kind of how I imagine the city sometimes. It's like it's this thing you can get sucked into and sort of forever lost. But maybe there's something kind of beautiful about it too, and kind of giving yourself over to the to the void and you know I think a lot of the record deals with just kind of facing the realities of the universe and I think that's staring into the void
0: Want to play, like, pick one more before we head out here. Something that is current, current that you listen to,
1: that you find that that feeling in. Yeah, we recently uh, did a tour in Europe, and like I was saying before, I like to kind of, if I'm going someplace where I know I'll be sort of occupy a certain place in my memory, I like to dig into a new record so that I can kind of listen to it clean and have it always associated with this period. And uh, someone had recommended. King Cruel's latest record the Ooze uh, you know I I knew a few tracks from him and from his other monikers but uh it felt like the right time to do it being that he's from the UK and I was gonna be there before sound checks I just and after sound checks I just kind of walk around these cities and listen to this record and it really feels like it has a, a really strong sort of world that it's that it's created and again not necessarily a Linear story, mm-hmm. although pieces of it I do feel are connected, uh, but this fragmentary world that um, feels really rich and, and beautiful.
0: Well, let's go out on, uh, from the use. let's go out on, on Dom Surfer. He came here recently, Archie did, and, and they did a tiny desk concert, and it just completely changed the office <laughs> and <laughs> that's, the atmosphere. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. And, it's and my your, pleasure. Yeah, and your record comes out on 420. That is that a coincidence of sorts?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think so. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You'd be well. Thanks so much. Thanks, look Bob. Look forward to seeing you in D.C. Yeah, man, good talking to you. All right, cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Ben Schneider, of Lord Huron. The new album, Vide Noir, is out April 20th. I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music. It's All Songs Considered.